If you haven't heard the news, in a few short weeks, we are getting a prequel movie to Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. It has the bite-sized title of Wonka because studios have found that the guppies that make up modern audiences can't remember a title with more than one word in it and tells the origin story of the famous fictional candy creator who can take a sunrise, sprinkle it with dew, and cover it with chocolate and a miracle or two. Next week, I'll be covering the messed up origins of the cherished role doll novel that this iconic character came from, so keep an eye out for that, but as I put the finishing touches on that script, I wanted to spend this week covering the very messed up origins of Oompa Loompas. Because you may not have known this, but over the years, their appearance has been altered almost as much as the Kardashians. Chances are, when I say Oompa Loompa, you either visualize a little orange man with green hair and white overalls, or actor Deep Roy in a red jumpsuit depending on which of the films you grew up on. Well, neither of those are even close to how they're described in the book. Not in the original version, nor in the revised edition that Roald Dahl himself edited. You see, the original Oompa Loompas, I'm talking from the OG 1964 publication, were two-foot-tall African people who Charlie mistakes as being made from chocolate. I wish I was kidding. Wonka says there are more than 3,000 Oompa Loompas living in his factory, that he smuggled their whole tribe over from Africa himself, and they still wear their jungle clothes. The men sport deerskins, women wear leaves, and the children run around totally naked. He found them in the deepest part of the African jungle, where no white man had ever been before, and they love cocoa beans so much that they were all willing to move into his factory and work there in exchange for cocoa beans as their only form of payment. Seems a little exploitative, but I think that Dahl realized that, because he made it clear that the Oompa Loompa chief emphatically agreed to these terms. He wasn't coerced in any way. But wait, because if you weren't uncomfortable already, you're about to be. Wonka also adds that he smuggled the dark-skinned Oompa Loompas here in packing cases with holes in them, which almost sounds like suitcases, but the accompanying illustration shows them in shipping crates, like the big wooden boxes you always see in cartoons, but never in real life. Dahl went on to redesign the Oompa Loompas after the 1971 movie went into production. There were concerns from the movie makers and the NAACP that portraying these characters on screen would draw unwanted comparisons to slavery. And by this point, the book had already been drawing criticism and requests to be edited. So, after a lot of public pressure, Dahl's publishers strongly advised him to change their look and he obliged. Curiously though, his reimagining of Oompa Loompas is still a far cry from how they're shown in the movie. They do keep some details the same, like now the helpers are from Loompa Land instead of Africa, and Wonka is portrayed as their savior from dangerous beasts like Hornswogglers, Snozwangers, and Wicked Wang Doodles. Away from all the Wang Doodles and Hornswogglers and Snozwangers and rotten, vermicious knids. Snozwangers? Vermicious knids? What kind of rubbish is that? I'm sorry, but all questions must be submitted in writing. But in terms of their physical appearance, the Oompa Loompas were changed to have pearly white teeth, rosy white skin, and sport long golden brown hair. The one detail that remained from the previous iteration is they opted for the usual jungle attire of deer skins and leaves. I have no idea where their design for the Wilder adaptation came from. I know they're supposed to be fantasy creatures mixed with factory workers, so an unusual appearance along with little overalls makes sense, but the bright orange skin and green hair? Haven't a clue. It was a good call though, because from the first moment you see them, you never forget them. When you think about it though, Burton's version resembles Dahl's original vision a lot more, despite being made more recently during what you would think is an even more politically correct time. 
For starters, we're shown a flashback scene where Wonka is deep in the jungle wilderness when he finds the Oompa Loompas. And granted, he does explain he was in Loompa Land, which Dahl also described as covered in a thick jungle, but there's no denying what this imagery was inspired by. Not to mention, the actor Burton chose for the Oompa Loompa role, Deep Roy, is actually African. He was born in Nairobi, Kenya. So here we have an African man playing a character that was originally African, but then had to be changed because that was deemed offensive. Yet, no one's offended by this. Now, just to be clear, I am not arguing for the cancellation of Tim Burton or anyone involved in this movie. I'm also hoping that me speaking on this doesn't get me canceled. I simply find it to be an interesting situation. What makes it even more interesting, though, is the most recent revisions that were made to the book earlier this year where any physical description of the Oompa Loompas was deemed too offensive. And once again, I wish I was kidding. Before we dive into that controversy, though, I want to thank our sponsor, Aura, the Identity Protection Service. You may not have known this, but it's disturbing how easily strangers can find all your personal information online just by Googling your name. Your phone number, your home address, your email addresses, and even a list of your relatives are just sitting on these people finder sites, waiting for someone to snatch them up and sign you up for spam and scams. You know those frauds who call you about your car's extended warranty? We've been trying to reach you concerning your car's extended warranty. That's where they get your info. I only learned these sites existed a few years ago and was pretty pissed off about it to be honest, but at the time, I didn't know that an easy solution existed. That's where Aura comes in. Aura can identify these data brokers exposing your private info and submit opt-out requests on your behalf. Brokers are legally required to remove that info when you ask them, but they make it nearly impossible for regular folks like you and I. So Aura will handle it for you. Aura also guards you and your family from online threats that you can't see, like they'll protect your credit card info and run scans for exposed passwords. The best part is it is really simple to set up, so you don't have to worry about downloading several different apps to get things like parental controls, antivirus, VPNs, password management, identity theft insurance, and more. With Aura, you get everything at one affordable price. So you can either let people continue to exploit and profit off your private information, or you can go to Aura.com slash John Solo to start your two-week free trial. That link is in the description below so you can get started right away. For those who don't know, in early 2023, Dahl's publishing company Puffin Books began publishing revised editions of his works in the UK, and at the bottom of the copyright page, they added a discreet notice that said, This book was written many years ago, and so we regularly review the language to ensure that it can continue to be enjoyed by all today. What they meant with this statement is that they gave themselves permission to edit the complete compendium of Dahl's works however they wanted resulting in hundreds of changes. They partnered with an organization called Inclusive Minds, which has not one, but two donation links at the top of their website, and allowed their sensitivity readers to alter, add, replace, or even delete any words or phrases that could be deemed insensitive. No, not slurs or anything serious like that. Dahl wrote these books for kids, after all. Instead, they resorted to cutting out any descriptions relating to almost every character's age, weight, mental health, and gender, rendering Roald's wacky world of creative, colorful characters a dull shade of gray. Augustus Gloop is no longer fat, Mike TV doesn't carry around toy pistols, and Charlie doesn't wear pants. He wears trousers. I really don't get that last one. Out of everyone, I think the Oompa Loompas took the most damage from these revisions, though, because when they're introduced, 
the only descriptor that we get is when they're called the little people. It's extremely vague and doesn't give the children reading the book any clue of how to visualize them, because apparently getting more specific would be offensive. Let's play a game. I'm gonna read a few other Oompa Loompa descriptors to you, and I want you to guess which ones had to be removed or changed so the story could continue to be enjoyed today. Aren't they fantastic? No higher than my knee. Look at their funny long hair. The Oompa Loompas spent every moment of their days climbing through the treetops. Poor little Oompa Loompas. The poor little fellow looking thin and starved was sitting there. The Oompa Loompa bowed and smiled, showing beautiful white teeth. His skin was rosy white, his hair was golden brown, and the top of his head came just above the height of Mr. Wonka's knee. He wore the usual deer skin slung over his shoulder. I'll give you a few moments to reflect on these. If you guessed all of them, you'd be correct. Every single one of these was removed and only one was replaced. Which one would that be? The poor little fellow looking thin and starved was sitting there. So what'd they replace it with? Drum roll, please. The fellow was sitting there. And to be honest, I'm appalled they would use a gendered word like fellow. Seriously though, what were the sensitivity readers concerned about with these statements? Who would be offended by them? Did they really think that a child reading these would have their feelings hurt somehow? And why are these things anything to be offended by? Because I'm telling you right now, I was a short, skinny little kid. From kindergarten through sophomore year of high school, my head was the size of a bowling ball and my body was as thin as a toothpick. I basically was an Oompa Loompa, and I doubt I would have interpreted the descriptions of them starving to death as shaming my my body type. And if one of these sensitivity readers told me, hey, we removed this from the book because we didn't want to hurt your feelings, I would ask them why? Why would that hurt my feelings? Are you implying there's something wrong with being skinny? Because I can run really fast. Maybe it was bigotry they were worried about. The last thing you want is kids becoming prejudiced against fantasy creatures. Now, before you call me a hypocrite because I didn't have a problem with the original changes Daw made to the Oompa Loompas, that's a very different situation. First off, those edits were made by Dahl himself at the tail end of the civil rights movement, so the end result was still his vision. There's also no denying that the original descriptions were racially charged and more based in reality, with the Oompa Loompas being packed up and shipped out of Africa. Even though the story says this was voluntary, it resembles history a little too much, and when it was written, slavery had only been abolished in America for a century. That's less than two lifetimes. The point is, even children could make the connection between what Wonka did and the crimes committed against the African people, as long as they had been taught about it in school. So Dahl had to make it clear that Oompa Loompas were fantasy creatures that don't exist in reality. Compare that to the changes sensitivity readers made, where any description of the Oompa Loompa's appearance or gender was removed and replaced with nothing. So kids reading the book can't visualize these one-of-a-kind characters. That's like if you went to the dentist for a routine checkup and he pulled out half your teeth. Sure, you might have gotten some cavities eventually, but there's no evidence you had any and now you can't chew. But if you ask the dentist, he'll claim he's a hero because he stopped the cavities before they could even start. You know what? You're right, doctor. Why did I even ask? I'm gonna go eat some yogurt and meat paste.
The last thing I'll say about this is that Dahl himself insisted that no changes be made to his books after his death. He's on record saying in a conversation with his friend, the painter Francis Bacon, I've warned my publishers that if they later on so much as change a single comma in one of my books, that they will never see another word from me. I just hope to God that will never happen to any of my writings as I am lying comfortably in my Viking grave. Puffin Books and the Roald Dahl Story Company were willing to go against the wishes of a dead man in order to distance themselves from him, but were also happy to profit off of his life's work for decades and then sell the rights to Netflix for $686 million. They sent out the sensitivity readers to plant their flag in the moral high ground so everyone can see their virtue from far and wide and then misled the public about the severity of the changes. When discussing the revisions, a spokesman for the Roald Dahl Story Company said, Our guiding principle throughout has been to maintain the storylines, characters, and the irreverence and sharp-edged spirit of the original text. Any changes made have been small and carefully considered. That is one big pile of shit. And just so everyone's clear, I am not telling you what to read your kids. If Dahl's original works don't sit well with you, then my advice would be to simply not read his books. But for some reason, the offended always forget they have the option to not partake. So if you want to buy a revised edition, that's your prerogative. Fortunately, no matter what end of the sensitivity spectrum you're on, your needs can be met. Because after the UK publishers received a ton of backlash, Dahl's publishers in the United States, France, Spain, and the Netherlands all agreed they would not be incorporating these changes, so you can still read the works as intended. But what are your thoughts on this censorship debacle? If you do think that revisions like the ones I discussed today are a good thing, I would love to hear your thoughts on why, because in my opinion, this doesn't actually protect children in any meaningful way, and it sets a dangerous precedent for how publishers can treat classic literature. Let me know your thoughts by hitting up Messed Up Origins on social media. Links to those are in the description. Then make sure to sacrifice those five star and follow buttons to hear more deep dives into classic stories like Charlie's, fairy tales, myths, and nursery rhymes every Friday. Also remember to check out today's sponsor Aura because it really is a great service and if it weren't for them, videos on sensitive subjects like we discussed today wouldn't be possible because YouTube is almost definitely going to demonetize this. I'll see you all next week when we dive into the full Charlie and the Chocolate Factory story and compare it with both of its big screen adaptations. Until then, my name is John Solo, and remember, John shot first.